This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Right, okay, take three with Rob Taylor. Uh, so we had a wee bit of connection problem there, Rob, but hopefully, fingers crossed, this time we're good to go. Right, okay. so what we were talking about just before we, we get logged off and logged back in was how you had find the, lock, the lockdown uh, going away back from March time. So if we can pick it back up there, that would be a brilliant uh, start for us. No worries. So, I mean, March, like I was saying, it was brilliant. Beautiful time, beautiful weather. Yeah, time to reset back and concentrate on yourself. The wife was at home, I was at home, the girls were at home. I was getting to come down here and do my training in the day, get prepped for my Zoom classes through the day. So it was, I was the fittest I've ever been yep. because I was training twice a day, yep, eating yep. well, no takeouts, because everything was closed. <laughs> of course. This time, different. Kids are at school. Yeah, yep. and it's dark, it's winter, it's cold. And now you're locked off, and you obviously you remember what it was like before. So there's a slight more, I could say depression. Yeah, and I don't get depressed. I'm an upbeat guy. I'm always on it. Yeah. So I can see when people are have a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of depression. I can see how that would happen now because everybody feels low. When I went into a gym on the Wednesday before the lockdown of the Thursday, yeah. everybody in that gym was just quiet. Everybody was in the mood. It was just down. Everybody was down. Yeah. Okay. Because they knew what was coming. So I can understand we're a week, we're not even a week in. And people feel like we've been doing it for three weeks. So yep. for a few days. Yeah. So I can understand where it's a total different atmosphere now. Totally different feeling. I think that that was uh, for yourself, Rob, uh, kickboxer, martial artist, uh, competitor, bodybuilder, instructor. Uh, all of these things all require a good positive mental attitude. That I wanted to kick off the podcast today by talking about that because I think if there's anybody who can give us some advice on maintaining that, and yeah. I don't think you're wrong in using the word depression. I think a lot of people will very quickly fall into that. Yeah. Uh, so if you're feeling down a wee bit, that's worrying for me. That's worrying <laughs> for me. <laughs> but, okay, let, let's, let's have a wee chat. Let's kick straight off and... I want to cover all your history and stuff as well. Really yeah. looking forward to this today. But since we've started talking about the lockdown, let, let's continue on that for the moment. So what should we be doing straight off the bat to keep ourselves in a, in a good place? If you're not at work and you are at home, locked down to home, yeah. go to bed. The worst thing that I think now, that we have now in our history, are these things. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. We are on them, and we're using that as, an, as a person, yeah? So we're scrolling, we're scrolling. We talk to people we'd never have spoken to and getting opinions from people we'd never have spoken to. Getting yeah. into internet arguments you'd never have spoken to these people before mobile phones. Yeah. So it starts at the night. It doesn't start in the morning. It starts at bed. Get rid of it, yeah? Put it on the other side of the room, set your alarm, do what you're doing, okay? Yeah. 
and don't go to sleep looking at a mobile phone. That's my first advice that I'd give to anybody. Yep, yep. I, I, I never have because I'm old school, but I can understand we're new school. They've grown up with those. Mm-hmm. Okay. That light isn't good for your eyes anyway. Get rid of it. Yeah. Go to sleep. Wake up in the morning. Have some breakfast. That's another thing. People have lost that. Have breakfast in the morning. I, I don't understand it because I've always had breakfast. My, my kids eat breakfast. As soon as they get up, they want feeding. Okay, so have some fruit. Have some cereal. Then, the big one. Have a bit of exercise. Yeah, the good thing through the summer, you had Joe Wicks doing his exercise on the, um, YouTube. And people were doing that. You could go out for a walk. Brilliant. Now it's dark. You don't want to go outside. Yeah. So if you're in a house, up and down the stairs for a little bit. Do a bit of sit-ups. Do a bit of planking in the front room. Get the blood flowing. Feel good about yourself. Yeah. yeah. Even if you want to eat again after that, as long as you know some eggs or something. Get rid of the sweets. Don't buy the crap. Yeah. The, a lot of my clients came back after lockdown. A lot of my students put weight on because for four months they've just been at home. Yeah. They've done a couple of Zoom classes, maybe. Some of them did nothing and they're eating. So now they put weight on. They've come out of lockdown and they put weight on. So they don't feel good because of that reason. Yeah, so you just, it's, you know, you're fighting yourself. So exercise and sleep and eating, those are the three fundamentals. Yeah, exercise, sleep and eat. Then you could take in a box set, you could take in a, a show on Netflix or whatever. Yeah, have some lunch. Go out for a walk. Yes, it's rainy, it's, it's damp. Go out for a walk, get some fresh air, yeah? Before you know it, the day will tick on, yeah? And then come back, get your evening meal prepped, yeah? Get back to the basics of prepping an evening meal, cook, yeah? Sit down with the family, eat your evening meal. Watch, whatever you watch, EastEnders, Coronation Street, Emmerdale, yeah? Seven o'clock's rolled in, it's dark. Watch that show, yeah? Okay, kids go to bed, watch a movie, 10 o'clock, half, 10 rolls by, once again. Have a little scroll on Facebook, boom, gone. Bedtime, repeat. Yep. Bedtime, repeat. The thing is, you'll remember, you're, you're around my age, you'll remember. Remember Christmas, when you used to break up for Christmas? Yep. You didn't go anywhere. Nothing was open, you didn't go nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas Eve, you're home. Boxing Day, Christmas Day, you're home. Boxing Day, you're home. If you went anywhere, it's because you got a new bike and you went out on a new bike on Boxing Day. Yeah? <laughs> and then you came back. Yeah. That was that. That's how, that was life. Sundays, shops never opened on a Sunday. So when you didn't go nowhere on a Sunday, nothing opened. That's how it used to be. We're only just coming back to that. So we just need to get back to those basics. And modern technology and food are two things that have totally changed. You know, fast food and microwaves and mobile phones. I don't think it's any coincidence that all the advice you've given already is stuff that we can control personally. Yeah. Yeah. We can't control the lockdown. We can't control what's opened. Uh, we can't control any of this, really. Yeah. Which is causing most of the hysteria on Facebook and social media. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, but everything you've said is stuff that I can get up in the morning and do, and you can do, and the yeah. next guy can do. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm in the fitness industry, and yes, I like to keep myself fit. I'm, in a couple of months' time, I'm 50 years old. In March, I'll be 50 years old. So I'm not a young guy, but I got up this morning at six o'clock. Yeah, I got up just before my alarm. So I fell asleep last night at half 10. Yeah, woke up at six o'clock. First thing I did was get my bags ready stuff. I got my drink ready, okay? 
yeah? Put a bank, couple of vitamin C tablets in there, the dissolvable ones, yeah, and some water, okay? Some BCAs, just to, you know, give me some, a, a little boost. Came down here and I did some cardio. So I just kicked the bags, hit the bags a little bit, did some footwork drills, just to get moving for half an hour. Yep. Then I had a banana and an orange to eat. Yeah, that's what I had. Okay. Played on Facebook for a little bit, did some pictures and some social media posts. Okay, spoke to a few of my students, checked in with people. And then I trained. You can see the weights just behind me. I did some training. Yep, yep. Okay, trained for another hour. Then I had a, a more substantial meal. I had some protein and stuff like that. Yeah, got in the car, drove to a garage, got another drink, yeah, some water, came back, chilled out. Now, that, that's nothing great. That's not a pro athlete. That's just normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Banana and an orange. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, some yeah. eggs, some chicken, boom. Do you know what I mean? A protein, protein bar. So I brought a protein bar as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah? And, do you know what I mean? Nothing out of the ordinary. Before I know it, it's 12 o'clock. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's the, like, like all good advice, it's basic and to the point. Yeah, yeah. I think we're, we're so busy trying to get complicated with so many, so many different things. Uh, right, let's get to yourself uh, personally, Rob. So, as I say, there's so many things, so many hats that you wear, uh, <laughs> so many things that you've done over, the, over your, your career in martial arts and fitness. But as I always like to do with the guests, let's go right back to the beginning. Okay. Uh, People are always interested in that sort of genesis story, I guess, uh, yeah. where you started and, and, and how things kicked off. So how did you get into all of this in the first place? Um, being a young lad in the 70s, um, I was unfit. I'm asthmatic, yeah. I'm asthmatic every day of my life. I will walk around with an inhaler yeah. every day. Okay. Um, so I'm not mildly asthmatic. I've got full-on asthma. I've had it since birth. Back in the day, we didn't have inhalers. We had little Ventolin tablets and the red medicine. So because I was asthmatic, you can't play sport. Yeah, that was the, you know what I mean? The rhetoric, you can't play sport. So whenever, I had a cousin who turned out to be a pro footballer when we grew up, but he was into his football. We grew up like brothers. I was a chubby kid because I didn't do anything. And whenever I did run, <gasps> I'd be in hospital twice a year on the nebulizer and stuff like that. So my asthma was quite bad. And after a while, my mum decided to take me swimming because she was told that swimming would help with my breathing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she took me to swimming and I couldn't swim at that time. I was nine years old, could not swim. Um, old Jamaican stories where your dad would throw you in a swimming pool to teach you to swim. My yeah. dad did that at two years old and I was scared of water ever since. Yeah. So um, took me to swimming lessons. I was the biggest kid in the class, um, in the small pool. And... I learned to swim. Within a few months, I could swim really well. Within that year, I was now competing in swimming because it was something I, was, I was good at. It was the only thing I was good at. So I was competing in swimming. I was winning medals in swimming. And my dad's friend taught judo. Um, I don't know if you remember World of Sport Wrestling. He was a, he was I, need to, I need to stop you there, Rob, because just when you said your age, now your athleticism and handsome good looks, do not tell me that you're 50. Uh, you're a couple of years ahead of me, my man. So, all right. <laughs> but uh, I heard my uh, my dad used to talk about it. Oh, right. Am I that old? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Carry on. 
Okay. Well, back in the 70s and the early 80s, on a Saturday afternoon, you had World of Sport Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So, World of Sport, Dickie Davis, the horse racing, the football results. Your dad used to sit there and do the pools. Yeah? <laughs> and then halfway through the day, around probably, I think around one o'clock, two o'clock, wrestling would come on. So, you had Big Daddy, Giant A-Stacks, all these British wrestlers, yeah. or American wrestling. So, he had a friend who taught judo, who was on World of Sport Wrestling. He was a judo guy called Dave Lawrence right, on okay. World of Sport Wrestling. And he taught judo in Nottingham. So, because obviously, also growing up in the 70s, a young black lad, a bit chubby, I'd get picked on, racially picked on and stuff like that. So my dad wanted me to learn a martial art. Yeah. So he took me to judo. And um, I started getting good at judo. It was around the time where Bruce Lee was, Bruce Lee movies was popular as well, and Chuck Norris movies. So I was getting good at judo. I started taking gradings, and I found another sport that I was good at. Yeah. Sooner or later, the swimming dropped off because I got more into the judo. Yeah. Uh, by that time now, I'm 12 years old, I'd seen a Chuck Norris movie. I saw good guys wear black. So back in the day, your dad could get you in to watch a film at the cinema. Yeah? yeah. So imagine my dad took me to see good guys wear black. I always remember the end scene, Chuck Norris did a flying kick through the window screen of a car. And as I left the cinema, I said to my dad, I want to do that. Yeah. yeah I want to do that. And it's karate. So as fate would have it, I was walking past a garden one day in the summer and I saw a karate instructor with his friend, two black belts, in their garden practicing karate. And I was, I was amazed. I was just standing there watching, just yeah. watching. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, long story short, turns out this guy was a distant cousin of mine. Well, and he told me where his karate club was, which was five miles away from where I lived, a place called Ison Green in Nottingham, which wasn't the nicest of areas for, for anybody to go to. Yeah. And I was 12 years old, and I caught the bus there on a Friday night, and I started doing karate. So by this time, now I'm doing two martial arts. I'm doing judo, and I'm doing karate. Yeah, yeah. Sure enough, I got more and more into the karate and the kicking and the punching, that the judo started to fall by the wayside. So by the yeah. time I was 14, judo would stop. Right. I've had four years of doing judo, and now I'm doing karate. And sure enough, I, and one of my friends was doing taekwondo at the time. So by the time I got to 16 now, <laughs> we had a little confrontation. He's my best friend. My best friend in the whole world has been my best friend for over 45 years. Yeah. And um, he stopped me and he said, you're doing karate, aren't you? And I said, yeah, you haven't been doing it for a while now. He said, you should do taekwondo. And I said, no, 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 karate is better. We had this little debate. <laughs> and he, him and a friend who turned out he became a British champion boxer, Delroy Bryan, both of them, mm -hmm. beat me up in the town centre and made me go to Taekwondo. He said, you'll be there on Sunday morning. <laughs> and sure enough, I was there. And that was um, WTF Taekwondo with um, an instructor called Vic Mark, Master Mark. Yep. And um, I turned up. I had my karate belt on. He asked me who I was, what I'd done, told him I'd done karate. And um, I didn't tell him about I didn't even mention the judo at the time. And I never left that club. Mm -hmm. The funny thing was, my best friend came and went, came and went. I stayed all the way to my black belt, which was until 2021. So five years with Vic Mark. Until Vic left to do other things, and then I took over the club with Yin Yang Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. So by that time, I'd now done three martial arts. And obviously, I was more than booked. Started competing. Around that time, the MAIs started. So I did my first MAI, I think, at 18. I won, I won martial arts illustrated comp in the black belt category. 
before I was a black belt. Vic put me in. Vic threw me in the black belt categories as a as a red belt, so like a brown belt. And um, I actually won that. I was doing FSKs, getting beat by Billy Bryce in the brown and black belt categories. And I, I, I went into adulthood getting beat by Billy Bryce in those competitions because we was used to WTF. We wasn't yeah. used to the point sparring, the freestyle as they called it. Yeah. Uh, but I had a karate background, so I was better than most. Mm -hmm. And it just carried on, carried on. I stopped doing WTF and just carried on on the point karate scene for another, I'd say another eight years. And I started winning a lot more, making a bit of a name for myself martial arts. At 31, I got injured, got a kick on my back at 31. Yeah. And um, when you're young, you say, oh, it will heal. So a couple of weeks, you're back training, mm -hmm. back teaching. I was teaching aerobics. I was teaching fitness, fitness first. I was teaching martial arts. I was DJing at the time as well. Right. I was working, working full time. And I'd never let this back heal. I never let it heal. Um, you think it's all right, and then two weeks later, it's gone again, it's hurting. And then one day I woke up, frozen to the spot. I was flat, couldn't yeah. even turn over. And my back, the discs in my back had totally froze. Um, Painkillers for a year until the disc ruptured, damaged the nerves down my leg. And that, that was me, done with martial arts at 31 years old. Yeah. After winning British and going to world championships and stuff like that. Um, I was disillusioned because I'd done all that training mm -hmm. and now I can't kick a ball with my boy that was about to be born. Um, I had a walking stick for a little while, which was depressing. So people would see me in town at work and like I was a shadow of my former self. Yeah. And um, eventually the pain went. I saw an, a, a really good massage therapist up in Uddersfield. He sorted it, but I was scared, too scared to do anything. Yeah. I didn't run. Didn't go to a gym, didn't do anything, didn't do no martial arts, nothing, no training whatsoever. Um, just an ordinary guy going to work, coming home with the kid um, for five years, four or five years. And then I moved to Peterborough and um, went to a gym and walked into a gym because I was bored and started lifting some weights. My back felt funny, but I got it sorted. I just took it easy. I did what everybody does in the gym. Yep. I just did curls. <laughs> A bit of shoulders, a bit of chest. That was it. No legs because of my weak back. And um, a bodybuilder was running the gym and he said to me, we've got a competition. We're going, me and another guy, we're going to compete at a competition. Uh, Rob Ronaldo and Ricardo, who's now an IFBB pro. And they was competing in Leicester. Come down and watch, come and support. Um, he was being clever. I didn't know at the time. Yep, yep. And um, I went, me and the wife went. Well, I wasn't even married then. Me and the missus, we went down. And I'm watching these bodybuilders on stage. I'm looking at them going, there's different age categories, there's different weight categories. I've never seen that before. And at the time, I was 37 at that time. And I'm looking at them and I'm going, I look better than some of them. And all I do is a bit of that and a bit of that. And Rob came and sat next to me. And I was talking, I said, look at them. And he went, exactly. That's why I wanted you to come. Because you are to be trained. And you look as good as some of those guys up there. So imagine what you'd look like if you trained with yeah. your knowledge that you've got in fitness and stuff like that. So I did. I said, I'm going to train for a year. Yeah. And see, and when I do something, obviously I research it. I got the diet. I got everything right. And I trained for a year and did my first competition at 38 in wow. Great Yarmouth, the Anglian Open. I was 38 as a first time. So I was on stage with guys who were in their 20s. And I won it. And um, 
somebody told me if I win, they'll give me a sponsorship. And I rang him, I said, yeah, I won. He said, yeah, I thought you would, because you're very dedicated in what you do. So I then became sponsored. So all those years of martial arts, traveling the world, teaching yep. and competing, never once had a sponsor. I won one bodybuilding competition and I've got a sponsor. Yeah. So I thought, wow, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get more and more into it now, get a bit bigger. And that's what I did. Got into my 40s. I, I won the um, British champ, the NAC British Championships. I qualified for the UK BFF British Championships as well. Came top six in the country at that. Uh, went to Mr. Universe in Germany at 41, 42. And then I was walking around in Portugal and I started to limp. I'm like, why am I limping? I've not done anything. Mm -hmm. And um, I got back. I was limping on my other foot. I'm like, I've not done anything. Why am I limping? Went to the doctor. The doctor said, I'll tell you right now, you've probably got arthritis in your ankles. I went, you are arthritis? I'm only like 42 years old. Yeah, yeah. She went, yeah. I'll send you for x-rays and then we'll see. Got the x-rays back. She looked at them, saw all the black dots on there. And she went, yeah, that's it. Arthritis because I'm flat-footed and your ankle. So you can either fuse it or have the steroid injections. If you know me, there's only one phobia I have in life. Right, Need, okay. Uh -huh. Needles. Yeah. Dentist, I'm like, ah, taking blood. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not having that steroid needle because I've heard it's that long. I'm not having that into my bone. I'm not having my ankles fused because then there's no movement in my ankles. Um, they give me some plates to put in my shoes and it was just left me to myself. In the end, I decided to lose weight. I'm walking around at almost 100 kgs. I'm yeah. five foot six. Lose weight, get that pressure off my ankles. Mm -hmm. So that's what I started to do because obviously I've got a lot of diet and nutrition knowledge. So I started to lose that weight and a young lad had heard about my martial arts and said, you used to do martial arts. Somebody told me, can you teach me on your day off from work? So I said, yeah, he's in my gym. I said, well, I'm here. It's my day off. So give me a fiver and yeah, I'll start teaching you. Yep, yep. After a few weeks, he didn't turn up. I started kicking the bag, warming up my legs and I thought, Hey, I think I can still do this. <laughs> At that point, I was, I think, 90 kg, around 90 kg. And I thought, if I lose a bit more weight, I could probably get back into martial arts. Yeah. And um, I was, what, 43, coming up 43, 44? And that's what I did. I trained for a year without telling a soul. Yeah. Didn't even tell the wife <laughs> what I was doing. Um, I was just stretching, kicking, getting it back, doing all the training drills that I used to do to get my flexibility back, because obviously it was still in there. And then I joined the club after about a year, and um, then I told the wife what I was gonna do. I said, I'm gonna fight in February. And um, that was, what, a year and two months into training. So I'm gonna fight a local competition. And she's like, you are? I said, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna do martial arts again. And she said, her exact words were, you're an old man now. <laughs> I think I was 44 then. She said, you're an old man. Yeah, you'll get hurt. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to do it. She said, I'm not coming. I said, you watch. She said, I'm not going to come and watch. I've come and watched you do bodybuilding. I supported you through that. I'm not going to come and get you, watch you get hurt. Family was telling me, one of my cousins, more cousin who's like a brother, his exact words were, it's somebody else's time. That motivated me, Matt, the whole, the whole 10 yards. Yeah. It's somebody else's time. I said, right, you've motivated me. I'm going to go and do it. I'm definitely doing it. So I fought in that comp and I won it. Mm -hmm. And like, it was like, oh, he's back. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm back. Let me train properly now. And that's what I did. Got seriously into my training again. And the rest really is history. I started, I competed in my first Worlds, won a few gold medals at that. My next Worlds won a couple of golds at that. Then I went for the big one. I went for the Iska in Athens in Greece. I thought, let me do a big one. Let me go Iska. And I went to Iska and I won a couple of gold medals at the Iska Worlds. Mm-hmm. And then Iska asked me to be a coach of the national team. I decided, let's quit work and teach martial arts. Let's yep. do what it is I know. I'm watching instructors who have not got half of my knowledge teaching. So let me um, quit work and teach. And I planned it all out. I didn't just quit and go. I planned it all out, added in my notice and set up this place. And boom, yep. started teaching and it's been a success ever since. But that's, that's something, let's investigate that because how many people get to... In fact, it must be a countless number of people who get to 30, maybe hurt their back, hurt their knee, something. Uh, I mean, you're talking world champions, guys, who are super, super talented. Mm-hmm. And then nobody knows where they are now. Yeah. They go off and maybe they get married, they have children. What makes someone like you different? Now, I know you've already talked about... Uh, kind of in many ways sort of stumbling back into it but I've also seen that I've seen people who come back to even my school and they do a month and they just can't get going again yeah. what's different about you that you, you got I back? think it stems from the early days of not being able to do a thing when you're asthmatic and just to run for the bus you're bent over gasping yeah. and being told you can't do something and it's out of your control, you think. Mm-hmm. I've always had that. My mother always instilled in me to push, 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 push. Yep. So I've never been good at team sports. I've always been good at individual things because I can dedicate that time. So it's like DJing. I, I learned, I taught myself to DJ. Even though I knew about music, my dad used to DJ and I never even registered that at the time. I taught myself how to beat, beat match and mix and talk on the microphone to the point now I'm DJing all over the world in big clubs. So it wasn't just like parties and Dave's disco DJing. Mm -hmm. I was DJing as a main resident with my name up against with DJ Spoonie and Trevor Nelson. So I taught myself that because I am very focused to the point of OCD. I do have a point, a bit of OCD. So I'll concentrate on doing it because I don't want to be beaten if you like. Yeah, no, yes, yeah, it's, no. about, it's about myself. I don't. I will say I need to learn to do this, so I'll teach myself to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, being don't, when you're not when you can't walk and you can't move, yeah. When I was like that, it took me half an hour to turn onto my front. Yeah, that's a battle. So, when you've gone through that, putting on a bit of weight or hurting a knee or whatnot is minor. Yeah. I'm wiser now, so if I do hurt a knee, I'll rest it. Whereas when you need 20s, you hurt your knee, you keep going and you keep going, then you need surgery. Yeah. Well, if I step away from something, like bodybuilding, I stepped away from bodybuilding once I got the arthritis. I've always said, I might try it again when I'm 50. Yeah, <laughs> I might go back and put on that size and compete. Yeah, just, it's a challenge. It's a personal challenge. It's like, it's like this lockdown. Yeah. You could sit at home and do nothing. Logic says you're going to get lazy. You're going to put weight on, especially if you're over 30. It's going to happen, yeah? So why defeat yourself 
now's the time to push a little bit more. And that's something my mum always instilled in me was you've always got to go out there and earn it. Yeah, look, look is for losers, basically. You've got to basically make your own look. Yeah. I've always known that. So that's why I will always push at this age. I've got students. And when we were sparring last year, I've got guys who would kick my head off. <laughs> so I've got to try and, you know, keep up with them. I've got to work that bit harder. Yeah. So when they're in bed, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm in the gym. So people say, oh, you're always in the gym. I teach in gyms, I PT. But yeah. before my client, I'll work out. I'll do the things that make me stronger. And obviously I'll eat wise. Well, I still eat my gym drunk food. But everything I do is about making myself a little bit better than I was before. There's something, I've, there's something I've been thinking about. Uh, it was actually my own physio, uh, John, who uh, had put this idea in my head a couple of weeks ago. And I've, you know how you get an idea in your head and you're trying to formulate it, I guess, properly. But you, Rob, you're probably the, the perfect person to speak to about this. So I think someone would look at you and think, that man has so much more drive than I do, or that person on the TV has so much more drive than I do. And people think about that. What me and John were talking about where, what was, what happens if every, okay, I've got a bottle of water here. Let's say that everyone has this much drive. Now, I think the most successful people, now you've got this much drive, I'm holding a bottle for anybody that's just listening to the show today. And you've got the same amount and the person next to me has the same amount. And when you were talking about that sort of OCD thing, I think you take all of this, a half a litre of drive, and you put it into one task. Whereas someone who might not be as productive might use a little bit on one thing and a little bit on another thing. And before they know it, they haven't achieved anything. And it's not that you're, even with all your achievements, it's not that you're a superhero. It's just that you use that drive more productively. That's right. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is, is this is maybe a, a thought pattern to inspire people who maybe aren't achieving what they think. It's not about Rob Taylor, some sort of Superman. No, Rob Taylor is achieving super things because... He's using that motivation better than what others are. Is that making any sense? No, it's perfect sense. It's being blinkered. It's being blinkered right. on that one task. Yeah. yeah? Okay. So, for example, I mean, there's things that I can't do. Yeah. I'll drive here and I'll drive past somebody running in the rain. Yeah. One, because of my dodgy ankles. I'm not running on concrete. But I'm thinking, wow, you're great running at six o'clock in the morning, in the dark, in the rain. And sometimes I've only got a vest on. I've yeah. got like two layers on in my car. And I'm like, wow. But that will motivate me. That will make me think, I can't do that. Yeah. If I was Superman, I'd be able to do that. Yeah. Now, now if I had to do it, I would do it. I would focus on that. I'll get up and I'll get out and I'll do it. I'll do a mile. I'll do two miles the next month three miles a month after that. I would focus on that. But at the time, I'm looking going, nah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But that same guy who's running at six in the morning in the vest in the rain 
couldn't come in here and do what I did. Yeah. It's clear. Yeah. It is. It's be focused. I could teach myself to be a computer programmer if I wanted, I suppose. Yeah. But I'm not, and I don't know the first thing about it. Yeah. But it's about being blinkered. So when I wanted to be a DJ, the first thing out, me and Owen King, yeah. I was at Owen King's birthday. Yeah. Was in a club. This is how it all happened. And at that time, I had a pair of CD decks because in our crew of friends, somebody always owned the speakers and the decks to play at a party. Yeah, and yeah. this friend had a kid and his wife was like, you're not having those decks anymore. Get rid of them. <laughs> so one of the boys had to take them. I took them. Yeah, yeah. So when it came to parties, I had a lot of records and a lot of CDs anyway. I would, you know, play at the parties. Nowhere near a DJ. Nothing. We was in a nightclub for Owen's birthday and the DJ started to play some R&B. Once again, if you go back, you didn't get R&B through the night. You'd have dance music and your S Club 7 music, your Spice Girl music, and then maybe for half an hour, you might get a bit of Michael Jackson, a bit of Blackstreet, and a bit of Eminem, and it'd be gone. Yeah, yeah? Yeah. So he was playing a bit of R&B. And like, he was struggling. He didn't know what to play, he didn't know what was popular. His mixing on R&B wasn't great, but dance music was fine. So I remember going up to the DJ, a guy called Jason Little Man Malloy, and I said to him, I can DJ R&B. Why didn't you let me play the R&B for you? I don't even know what made me say it. And he <laughs> was, yeah, all right. I'm going to have a word with the manager. Give me your number. Yeah. And turn up next week, okay, and um, you play half an hour to an hour of R&B for me. He, he was quids in because he was getting paid. And I was coming to do it for free. So I got in my car and he rang me. I, answered, I sat in my car. As soon as I sat down, he rang me. And I answered the phone on my mobile. And I said, yeah, he said, yeah, I spoke to the manager just now. Yeah, definitely. Turn up at one o'clock next week. What's your name? And I had to think, quick, what's my name? I went, Rob. He went, Rob what? I went, Rob T. Yeah, yeah. Rob T That's my DJ name. So I said, right, turn up next week. Now I had a week of trying to practice. I'd never played a vinyl where I mixed two vinyls in my life. Yeah. I was CDs, start, stop, start, stop. So I went home and I practiced mixing with the CDs. I had beat match, I had tempo and everything, and a mixer. So I was practicing, 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 practicing. I knew that if I got good, and I could build a few weeks and get better and better and better, sure enough, they'd start paying me for that mm -hmm. hour that I'd do. So I did, did that for a few months, and three months later, they start paying me 35 pounds to play for a couple of hours from one till three o'clock, yeah. some R&B. Um, that time though, I'm getting a little bit better. He taught me to speak on the microphone, mm -hmm. which a lot of DJs nowadays, they can't speak on the microphone. Yeah, yeah. He taught me to speak on the microphone. Another DJ taught me how to mix vinyl. So, and I, I turned up early before the club opened. Bear in mind, I was still teaching martial arts and teaching in a gym. So I get home from work, half five, six o'clock, get all my stuff together, go and do a class, go and do another class, get home, quick eat, and then out again. Yeah. And um, get there early, learn how to play vinyls and stuff like that. Within, I'd say, a year and a bit, the Saturday night DJ went on holiday and he did R&B all night. And somebody said to the manager, why don't you just get Rob to do it yeah. while he's on holiday? And he asked me, he said, will you come and do the Saturday night? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you've got to think, you've got, and this is a big club in Nottingham, so I was fortunate. There's a club called Faces Nightclub. So there's a Faces in Nottingham and Faces in London. 
All your footballers were in there. Rio Ferdinand used to go in there. Your models went in there. Your cricketers went. I remember Ravinelli was on the dance floor one night. Wow. So it was a very good club to be in. But there was queues down the block. And I'm thinking, if I smash this, I could get this job. And that's what I did. Now I can mix. So I went home and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. Every night after work, I'm practicing, practicing, practicing. So went to that club Saturday night, played the first Saturday, played the second Saturday. Third Saturday comes now and the, and the manager's gone, yeah, this job's yours. Yeah, I'm the resident. Now I'm a resident DJ on a Saturday night. Yep, yep. And still did my one till three on a Friday. <laughs> yep. And it just all took off from there. I just got better and better. My name started getting about. Promoters started having me. Radio stations started working on radio as well. All from that one conversation where I had to flag it a little bit. And then practice, practice, practice. Yep. And I focused. I was single at the time, so I was just focused every night doing mix CDs, just practicing, practicing, practicing yeah. until I got a good job. Then that led to another good job, another good job, another good job. I used to catch a plane. I used to finish work at 5.30, catch a plane up to Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. Um, taxi from the airport to the hotel. It was a new hotel right in the centre of um, Edinburgh. And it was a nightclub, city nightclub, right beside the hotel. And I said, yeah, straight away, wake up, go next door to the club, DJ, go back, get my head down, get my car the next morning, fly back to East Midlands in Nottingham and go straight to work. Yeah. My record's in the car. Go straight to my retail job. And I used to do that every Friday night. So four hours sleep. I was speaking to my students the other night, actually, uh, on on the Zoom classes as we're having to do at the moment. And it was interesting because one of the things I was talking to them about was, in this lockdown, getting right back to that again, uh, things, are, things aren't perfect at the minute. And that wee story you've just told there is, is a great example of, and I said to them, I said, look, a few years back, if things weren't perfect, then I wasn't interested. And I look back and think of so many things that I've missed out on because I never took a wee opportunity here or there. This podcast is a great example because I wanted to do the podcast for a number of years, but it wasn't going to be the way I wanted it. And, and that was all rubbish. It really was rubbish. So I've told this story before. I went out with my phone, my mobile phone, sat in the car, put some earphones in and just started talking. And I mean, the first couple of episodes, if you're listening to this episode, guys, don't go back to the first couple of episodes because they are so bad. But sometimes you've just got to wing it, don't you? You've, you've just got to start and, and see how it goes. And the opportunities that that then presented you eventually yeah, yeah. were amazing. You, you learn on the job. Yeah. And if you're dedicated, you'll get better. Now, it's quite easy to go, no, nah, I'm not very good at that, and stop. Yep. But yep. what are you good at when you first start? My daughter started training at four. I religiously don't take students until five. Yep. But my daughter was throwing kicks and stuff, and I'm not, everybody thought I taught her. I taught her nothing. Yep. Yep. The mother-in-law sent me a picture one day, I was at work, and my daughter did a perfect psychic. I'm like, I've not taught her that. She's two. So I told her she could start at four because she's very disciplined. And um, 
Obviously, all the students start at five. Started at four, which is a year ago next week. And now she is really good. Yep. But she will still say to me, Daddy, I'm not this. I said, well, you're not supposed to be. When will I get my black belt? I said, you haven't even took a grading yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I tried to tell her, you've got to learn. Yeah, there's people who, and it is a quick, it's a quick kind of society now. Yeah, people want things straight away. Yep. Yeah. So I had a conversation with a few students before lockdown where one said, how long did it take you to get your black belt? I said about five and a half to six years. Went, what? That long? I went, that's standard. That flies by. Yep. Especially if you're training. I said, that was to be taking gradings every three and every six months and then every year when we had to wait a year. Yeah. And just at that time, a couple of privates turned up who were also black belts who were in their 40s um, that I teach after my class. And um, I said, how long it take you to get your black belt? And he said, five and a half years. I said, that's standard. Yeah. yeah. And people want things so quickly. And if they can't do it, it's like, oh, bugger it, I'll do something else. Rather than fall off the horse, get back on the horse, fall off the horse, get back on the horse. Yeah. My first few um, sport karate competitions where I was fighting at the FSKs, I was getting to the final and getting my ass kicked by Billy Bryce every three months at the FSK in um, Trafford. Yeah, every three months that was happening to me. That never stopped me from going back. Yeah. I was like, going back to training, I've got to do it. Go back to training, got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. And you get better. Yeah. And, that, and that's life. The, the, the retention at our uh, Taekwondo school is, is thankfully pretty good. The students that we lose, seven out of ten of them is because of our uh, policy regarding putting people forward for tests. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's children. It's mostly children. Sometimes it's adults. Uh, and again, it's, I don't think this should be controversial to say, but people think that it is. Uh, a lot of that isn't the, the kid, it's the parent. And yeah. I always say uh, kids don't quit martial arts, parents do. And anytime I post that on social media, I, I, I start a countdown in my head until the bomb goes off because people go crazy over that sometimes. Uh, but I, I have the experience of it. I have the experience of saying, I ain't putting your kid forward for black belt at X, Y, Z age. Well, why not? Blah, blah, blah. They, they deserve it. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, they don't realise that you're, you're actually in the long term, in the long term, doing them a big, big favour by teaching their children that they have to achieve things, not tomorrow, but over the next year or the next two years, or the next three years uh, and we lose is you you've got a lot more experience than i do in uh, a vast uh, a vast array of styles is that something that's happening everywhere now is that that's life that is that is how life is maybe yeah yeah because you've got to think when you go back to when you first started and when you was a kid yeah martial arts wasn't as it was popular but there wasn't as many martial arts schools as there is now yep yep yeah? So, there wasn't as many people doing martial arts back then as what they were now. So, if let's say, for example, in an area, you'd get one person passes black belt a year. Yeah? Yeah. What's wrong with that still happening now? Okay. But because there's more clubs, more students, yeah, people think you should get more. And yeah, there are clubs that are giving out more grades and passing people on more tests, easier tests. I mean, I was in... Um, 
Jamaica and having a conversation with a black belt who came to spectate with, um, with some of his friends. And I said, oh, how come you're not fighting? And he actually said these words to me. We don't spar until we get our black belt. I was like, pardon? He said, we, we, in our club, we don't spar until we get our black belt. Right. right. That don't, in my head, that didn't compute. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that is the norm now. Yeah. Students yeah. who took 12 gradings and they're still only a blue belt. Yeah, in whatever discipline, whether it's karate or taekwondo, I had this conversation with a parent who was interested in the kid coming there and they said, yes, yes, he's took about 12 grades. And so I went, oh, right. I'm thinking, well, this kid must be a black belt. So what grades is he a blue belt? I went, but well, he took 12 gradings. Yeah. So then I rang a taekwondo instructor in Nottingham, an old friend, and I was like, can you explain this to me? And he was like, the way it is now, you, you're grading for white belt. Then you've got a yellow tag with a junior yellow tag. And then you go back again and... It's like three belts before you even get to your yellow, yellow belt. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Whereas you had your yellow tag, yellow belt. Yeah, your, or your yellow stripe, yellow belt. Yeah, green yeah, stripe, yeah. green belt. Stuff like that. These kids are like taking loads of gradings yeah. because one, financially. Yeah, yeah, yes, go on. And to keep that kid interested. Yeah. yeah. And this is what puts the icing on the cake. Keep that kid interested. Because if you said to the, any kids who do martial arts now, do you watch martial art movies? Or do you watch UFC or something like that? No? Well, hang on. If you're interested in martial arts, what kid who plays football doesn't watch football? Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Keep saying? talking. Keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. What? If you say to a kid, you play football? Yeah, I play, I play five-a-side or I play whatever. Did you, what team do you support? I support Chelsea. Did you watch Chelsea game? Yeah. Did you watch Man U game? Yeah. Did you watch this? Did you watch that? Yeah. You ask kids who do martial arts, did you watch UFC? Yeah. Did you watch Never Back Down with Michael Jai White? Or did you watch this? Yeah. And they'll go, no. Well, hang on. I thought you was interested in martial arts. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Why is that? Be, be clear. And I know, Rob, listen, you don't have a problem with being clear. So I don't, why is that? Tell us why is that? I'll tell you why that is. That is mum and dad wanting to do a martial art. They say, yeah, I do want to do a martial art, yeah? But because they've got Game Boy, PS4, whatever, okay? And they've got, they might kick a ball around, yeah? They don't want to be Bruce Lee. That's what it is. They don't want to be Jean-Claude Van Damme, yeah? All right? They don't want to, I could never keep going, yeah? They don't want to be that martial arts hero, Jackie Chan, whatever, yeah. okay? All right? They just want to say they do a martial art. Yep. Okay. Then when, because them kids who do get a black belt, that kid who I'm talking about gets a black belt, nine times out of ten, they quit. Yeah. After that black belt. Yeah. yeah they quit. Okay, they've got there. In their head, they've got to that black belt. And I never forget the story that Alfie Lewis told once at, um, it was at a seminar or at an award ceremony. And he got his kid up and he said to his kid, how long you changed? This kid said seven years. And he said, what grade? He said, black belt. Now, Alfie said, your instructor is sitting there, so I know who your instructor is. But can this kid fight? Can this kid do martial arts? Yeah, can he put it into practice? Now, if he couldn't and he's got his black belt, would you ask for your money back? Yeah? Because yeah. he played for seven years. Yeah? Martial arts is supposed to teach him confidence, self-defense, he might not win a fight, but he can fight. He can try. 
Yeah? Okay. If you can't, what has he been doing for those seven years? You see? And that, that hit me right here. Because I'm thinking, all these people are training kids and adults to do a martial art. They're not really doing a martial art. They're passing time. Yeah? They're getting that next grade, that next grade, that certificate, smiling. Yeah? And they can't put it into practice. So they're not... They're not martial artists. Yeah. So, what, 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 let me come back to you there, but because even having said the stuff that I have about kids and about some parents, uh, the point you've just made, that's at home with me. But whose fault is that then? Is that, in fact, I'll tell you my opinion. My opinion is that's the instructor's fault because yeah. we have black belts. And again, Maybe we're just lucky. Maybe we're doing something right. I don't know. Uh, our retention on black belt juniors is quite high. Now, my opinion would be it's quite high because I don't let them test until I'm sure that they're black belts. Yeah. Or as far as a 14-year-old can be a black belt or as far as a 16-year-old can be a black belt, we don't let them go. Uh, but I'm not convinced that, okay, let me say this a different way. I don't know if I'm in the minority or in the majority. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if you're right in the middle. Yeah, I'm hoping you're right in the middle. Okay. Yeah? Because right. I do know that you exist and I do know the other extreme exists. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm hoping you're in the middle. My wife, when we setting up tasks, saw what happens in a lot of other clubs and sees on Facebook what clubs are posting and stuff. And she was saying, you need to start doing this, maybe a little bit old school in your teaching. I said, trust me, I'm not old school in my teaching because I can't do what <laughs> my instructor did to me when we was training. We can't get away with those kind of things. Kids can't be going to school with scraped up knuckles and stuff like that, and yeah, yeah. black eyes and stuff. So no, but yes, my discipline and my not letting them grade come in, bow at the door, hands behind your back, and stuff like that, that is never going to change. Yeah. I'm not going to be a daycare centre, so this is why I don't take them until five, because I'm not going to be a daycare centre for kids playing games. Okay, I want kids to be able to come in and do what we did, stand in the line, hands behind your back. Back in the day, we didn't have a separate kids class to the adults, a separate black belt class to the everybody else. Everybody was together. Yep. You looked at the front and you saw that black belt. You wanted to be that black belt. Yep. You wanted to get that grade and you wanted to be up there. Okay. So that motivated you. Yes, when you was a green belt and you had to spar with them. I mean, in my karate club, I had Rastafarian men. We didn't have gloves. They didn't have gloves. <laughs> yeah, there was no mats on the floor. So when they hit you with those old school gray knuckles, it hurt. So when you're a yellow belt and you've got to spar with Big Isaac, yeah, who's a six foot Rastafarian in his 30s. Yeah. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. Now you couldn't do that. Yeah, you couldn't do that. I mean, I've been to clubs where you can't even hit pads without gloves on. So you're not conditioning. So that means you're not breaking wood anymore. All these things have fallen by the wayside. So I said to my wife, no, I'm teaching this. Yeah. The moment I have to teach that, I won't teach anymore. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. This is how I am. And she said, well, you might not get certain students who don't want to train with you. You might not get certain parents bring their kids to your club because they might think it's a bit too hardcore and they want to go. Someone says, well, then they can go somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. This is how we are. And I've been fortunate. We get a good influx of students here. So I will get the odd one who've come from a different club. Mm -hmm. And they end up staying because kids are like sponges and they absorb it. Yeah. I don't have a parents viewing room. And obviously then when COVID kicked in and you had to have your numbers limited to who could come in here anyway, yeah, yeah. beautiful because parents aren't in it. Yeah. So parents aren't, oh, little Johnny can't do that. Little Julie can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Once I went to clubs which had viewing rooms, parents get involved. Yeah. And what I remembered from my childhood, my mum and dad never saw me do judo, karate or taekwondo ever. Apart from judo, my first judo comp, my dad came to watch. That was it. Yeah. I was fighting. My dad never seen me fight. Yeah. Your dad, my dad didn't take me training once. Yeah. If I asked my dad for a lift to school, it wasn't happening. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you said, I in your own gi. Yeah. yeah. Because you wanted your gi snappy. So I would go sketch list, buy a tin of starch, and spray starch in the iron my dough box. Yeah. And that's you're rolling back the years now, Rob. You're rolling back the years now. Yeah, kids don't do that anymore. They've got silky stuff. Sometimes they turn up, they've not even got a suit on. And I'm like, where's your suit? I don't know. Or mum's like, oh, it's in the wash. I'm like, you need to sort that out for yourself. You're 13, 14, 15, 16. Do you know what I mean? Some of the men even. But that's the thing. Those old school things is what made you a martial artist, which made you disciplined, because that's what martial artists are supposed to, martial artists must teach. Discipline. Yeah. So that's one of the things. That's one of the ones that I give my students into uh, trouble for the most is, and let me tell you this: when they, when they come in and they don't have safety gear, for example. Now, hopefully one day we'll be able to have sparring again. But yeah. in the days when we could spar, and I do allow parents to uh, watch at the back of the, the school. Uh -huh. So uh, that that is something that, that I do. And the kid will come in, no safety gear. And then I'll say, Johnny, Julie, whoever it is, why have you not got your safety gear? Now, before the kid has even spoken, the mum or dad has jumped in to say, oh, that's my fault because X, Y, Z. The next part of the conversation is, no, 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 hold on. Whose safety gear is it? Yeah, but, and the parent gets annoyed because, and this happens all the time, the parent gets annoyed because I've asked that child to take responsibility for their safety gear. It's their class, it's their bag, they have to bring it there. Uh, now, I'm not talking about something ridiculous like they were, they had an emergency or something silly like that, but the kid's just not bothered to bring their bag to class. People aren't, not everybody, let me be 100% be clear here, because the majority of the parents we particularly have are very, very supportive of the school. But there's still that case when sometimes people just don't, they, they, they just don't want to get involved in that sort of that attitude, I guess. Well, it's, it's, it starts from the beginning, what you allow your kid to do. So 
I mean, a lot of people will moan that kids aren't like how they used to be, but it's it's the parents that are breeding that culture. You see, yeah. so I had a key to my door at nine. Right. Okay. <laughs> at nine years old, I had a key to my door. Boom. At eight, at nineteen, I was leaving home to move in with my girlfriend. Yeah, into my own home at nineteen. That was the norm. You used to get the present, that key to the door when you was 18. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's different now. I will drive home and I'll see young girls out who look about eight or nine. And I'm like, oh my God, where's the parents? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Rob, get a hold of yourself. Yeah. What was you doing at that age? You see yeah. what I'm saying? And it's what you allow your kids to do. So I've got a girl. So I've only got in my club two black belts. Okay. Two black belts. Three, if we include Dale Taylor, who's been with me since he was eight and he's now 38, but he teaches in Nottingham. Yeah, but yeah. in my club here, I have two black belts. One came as a black belt, and I, I have not downgraded him, but I've told him, you aren't a black belt as far as what, and, and his parents appreciate that, because yeah, yeah. He's, he's standard compared to kids who are lower grades than him. Okay. And it's funny because I actually teach his instructors now which is quite quite good anyway yeah yeah um and then one of her who we have graded to black belt but she came to me one away yeah, yeah. as a black tag yeah yeah and if she'd have stayed in her old club she would have been a black belt three years ago yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Open three years yeah okay now her mom every year was always talking about a black belt a black belt I don't know, she's not ready she's not ready and her mom respected that okay it's quite funny because she got a younger brother who's a year younger than her who was also the same grade. One second, sorry. And so I said she's not ready. Yeah. Then I started to get her more and more ready yep. to when she went to a black belt grading in Wolverhampton. We have a sister club in Wolverhampton. And she went to that black belt grading to help, mm -hmm. to be one of the people that would do the sparring on their five hours of sparring for that grading. Yep, yep. Also, I knew that it would prepare her mentally because she would know where she's got to be. Yeah. I know, sparring-wise, she's more than ready. Yeah. Okay. So I went, I took the warm-up. So you've got black belts in the room, and then you've got everybody taking their black belt. Mm -hmm. And Jasmine. I've said her name, so she knows who she is, anyway. So she was the only one who wasn't dying on the warm-up because obviously she trains with me four times a week. So she's mm -hmm. mentally ready for that. She's physically fit for that. And then he came to the sparring and she handled herself through the sparring. Yeah. So I said, you ready? You ready for your black belt, aren't you? She went, yeah. I said, you'll take yours a year from now. I said, yeah. you've got a year now. Because yeah. I still want Pumze. I still want essays. Yeah. yeah. I still want all of that. The sparring is minor. But you know physically you're ready to be here a year from now. Yeah. And that's what we did. Yeah. A year later, which was last year. She went and she took her black belt and then COVID kicked in. So she did it in the December Then COVID kicked in in the January. Yeah. Okay. So I still not presented her with her black belt. Yeah. So she yeah. got a black belt, I think, when we came out of the first lockdown. Yeah. But she, her parents, their kids left all the stuff in the car, as they always do. Yeah. yeah? They come in their suit, put their sparring gear yeah. and their belts in the boot, in the bag. The car was in the garage. Right. And the garage is near my home. And the mum rang me and said, 
the stuff's in, in the boot of the car and they've got training tonight. Yeah. So the belts and everything in the boot of the car. I'm like, okay, can you, can you grab it? And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. So when I got to the garage and I opened the boot of the car, the black belt was on top of all the bags. Yep. The bags were all open. And I'm like, I, I, lost, I lost the plot. I stood in that garage. The guy in the garage looked at me and went, are you okay? Because you can see, I'm staring at this black belt, just looking at me, thinking you've worked so hard for that. And it's not even with you. You've yeah. just thrown it in the boot of the car. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. And that night they came, I put the, brought the bags in the corner. Yeah. And students were turning up and getting to line up and I've got it all mocked out two meters apart. And I'm looking, I'm like, where's your belt? To certain people. Oh, I don't know. Where's your belt? Oh, I forgot it. Remember, I'm already hot about this black belt. Yeah. <laughs> I've got yellow belts, blue belts, like not got their belt. Which t-shirt? Oh, I forgot it. And now by the time now she's turned up with her brothers, I weren't speaking to nobody. <laughs> I was just obviously everybody got press ups that night straight away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, old school there. Damn, press ups. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've told them, I've read them the right act. Yeah. You've worked for that grade. That is your grade. Yeah, there's no way you should not know where your belt is. Yeah. You don't, if you don't know where your belt is, you don't respect your belt. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I've had people turn up and say to me, Don Marshall, I said, what grade did you get to? They say, I can't remember. I'm like, pardon? What do you mean you can't remember? <laughs> You've done karate, but you don't know what grade you are. Oh, I think it was it. Like, was it years ago? No, 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 it was only a couple of years ago. You can't remember what grade you got to. Yeah. I remember every grade I've ever took. That, that's, that's really funny you say that because there was a stage when, uh, and again, you're remembering things before COVID when you were in the school and things were, were happening. There was a stage where I went through and if the kids were messing, I would take their belt off them. And yeah. sometimes they wouldn't get it back for maybe a week or two. And it wasn't to be, to be cruel or nasty, but that very point you've just made, and I would have the conversation with the children and say, why have I taken your belt off you? And why is it important? And that was the main crux. The main crux was, well, how hard have you worked for that belt? Mm. That belt should be valuable to you. Yeah. And that's what I'm using for a punishment to take that away. Do you understand? And the kids, they started to get it. They started to, to realize, oh, actually, he's he's punishing us with something that we should really value because yeah. they have worked so hard for it. Uh, Another yeah. one, before we move on, is yeah. tying your belt. Yeah. Kids can't, and adults who can't tie their belt. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, you, that's the first thing you learn, how yeah. to tie your belt. Yeah. And now there's YouTube videos on how to tie your belt. So yeah. you've kind of got it easy. Yeah. And I'm like, you, you've took a grade and you still can't tie your belt. And I'm like, I'm saying, if you can't tie that belt, I'll take it off you. Yeah. You can go back to her not having a belt. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't do white belts, it's no belt. Yeah. 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 So you need to learn, get on YouTube and I'll get someone to practice, learn from her. And a lot of them have got siblings in the clubs anyway. So teach your sister or teach your brother how to tie a belt. It's unfair that brothers and sisters... I had a, I've got a, 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 
uh, a fantastic student, uh, Deborah, who's a who's a second degree black belt now, and uh, her daughter was in class yesterday, and her mum was actually assisting with class, and it's so unfair. Uh, now you look back, it's unfair, and uh, her daughter, who's a wonderful student as well, to be to be honest and be fair, really really talented. She. <laughs> She had forgotten, she'd made a mistake in her pattern. Now, that wasn't the wee girl's fault, that was her mum's fault. And, it's like, and you're like, right, you've got this fantastic martial artist as a mother, uh, you should be practising with her. Now, to be honest with you, half serious, half joking, and uh, the situation ended up, uh, it ended well. But uh, you're making me think back now because... The brothers and sisters get into trouble, or the mums and dads get into trouble for something that the other kid has done, and it's nothing to do with them at all. No, 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 stop. No, that's old school. It is. You're responsible. You are. Yeah. Take martial arts out of the martial arts out of the equation. Yeah. Yeah? You've got two siblings. Yeah. One who's coming up to adult. Yeah, sixteen, whatever, and one who's ten, and a ten-year-old's getting into trouble. The 16-year-old gets into trouble also. Yeah, because when you come home, mommy says, why did you let him do this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. When I was growing up, my mom used to say to me, don't do anything wrong because you'll bring shame and tribulation on the family because she knows that will reflect on her. Yeah. yeah her opinion of me. Yeah. So I've got four siblings. Yeah. I've got a group of four in this, in this club. Yeah. The youngest one started at five, yeah, just after lockdown. Started yeah. turn five, he started, yeah. He's been seeing martial arts since the day he was born. Yeah. Because his brothers and sisters, when we were all at a different club together, were competing. We were all together. He's seen it since the day he can walk. At home, especially through the first lockdown on Zoom, he was there at four years old, in the background, joining in. Yep, yep. If he can't come and do a basic now, he's been here, that's your freeze fault. Because you're supposed to be training him, you're supposed to be teaching him. Yep, yep. And I had that conversation with them before lockdown. I was like, don't, because they shout at him now. Because they're helping to assist in the class, because one of them's a black belt, they're helping to assist. I'm like, why shout at him, get frustrated with him because he can't do what, say, my daughter can do, and you, you hold him against my daughter. My daughter's a different kettle of fish because I'm her dad, yeah? yeah? So yeah. I do make sure she can do it. You could have been working with him on doing that first kata, yeah? You could be working on him on how to hold his stance. Yeah? You, yeah? That's, and it is, I say, that's your fault. That's it's your fault. He's yeah. only five. <laughs> one more, one more, uh, because I want to talk to you about something else after this as well. Uh, before we get off our soap, soapbox, and, and then we'll move on to something. I've got another question for you before we, we finish up eventually, a positive one. But the other one that kills me since we're here is when people arrive at the school. And now, the parents who don't think this way, they always look at me funny when I say this, but not everybody's the same. I get, I understand that. But when parents show up and they'll say, This is little Johnny, again, this is. Julie, whoever it is we're talking about, I want you to teach them discipline. What, in two hours a week? 
<laughs> you want me to teach your kid discipline in two hours a week? Uh, so, listen, I'm on the spot here. I can't remember, and I'm not going to work out how many hours are in a week. But the kids with you, hundreds of hours a week, never mind the two hours. Yeah. I, I wanted to get that one out there. Now, Rob, if I let you answer that one, this podcast is going to last about four hours. So, <laughs> so I'm not so going to let you answer that one. It does begin at home. And if I do talk to Pearson, a conversation, because of what else I do, Pearson normally asks me about diet advice and mm-hmm. this and that. So I can assess if that parent's disciplined themselves. Right, got it. So I always ask this question. And sexist, but more or less it is normally mums who bring them and it is normally mums who ask the question about weight loss. Yep, so yep. I say to mums, what did you have for breakfast this morning? And they'll go, I didn't have breakfast. I go, did little Johnny have breakfast? And they go, yeah, 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 little Johnny always has breakfast. What was you doing when little Johnny was having breakfast then? And his sister, you made them breakfast. Why are you not make yourself breakfast? Yeah, that's a discipline. Yeah. yeah. If you're not sending them out the house without breakfast, why are you going out the house without breakfast? Yeah. Okay. If little Johnny's not going to sleep at night, what are you, are you not getting to sleep at night either? Yeah. So it does, it's like charity begins at home. It starts with you. So then that's how I cover that. Because okay. if you are not disciplined, little Johnny ain't disciplined. Right. Okay. Right. So I've got another, one more question for you. Uh, I, I hope this is a, I hope this is a positive one. Uh, having started martial arts so many years ago, having competed, taught, uh, been around, I mean, you, you've mentioned Vic Mart, you've mentioned Owen King, you've mentioned Alfie Lewis, uh, the, 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 list, the list goes on. Being around all these wonderful martial artists. One of the questions I often ask people is what's changed? And then people start getting rose-tinted glasses on. So I'm going to ask you a different question. Let's just focus on what is definitely better in modern day. Now, we've spent the last 20 minutes talking about the negative stuff. But what's, what's really good now? What's really good in martial arts? What's really good? I, you know what? I'll tell you what's really good. Yep. Lockdown, COVID. Okay, you've had to get back to basics. You've had to go back to doing line work. How many years did you stand doing line work before you even, you didn't have a kickback in your club when you was growing up, yeah? Okay, so you did line work the whole time. Yeah, Yeah. low section block, high section block, mid section block. Some schools never done that and they're finding it hard. The schools that the instructors that grew up with that, we'll just go, we'll do line work. Yeah. yeah. So that is one thing that's really good now, okay, because of COVID. But other than that, you have what I've spoke about, which is YouTube. I remember back in the day, we passed around a videotape of all of the patterns. Yeah. Okay. It yeah. had <laughs> from one to courio passed around, yeah. You had to wait your turn to get that video, and sometimes it'd be a rubbish video. Yeah, I, I knew how to copy videos, so I copied it. <laughs> but now you can just go like this. In fact, you don't even have to type. You don't have to type. I can go, okay, Google, <laughs> play me this. Boom. 
Up yeah. on your TV, you get somebody doing courier, somebody doing a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is, it's like having a library at your fingertips yeah. if you choose to use it. Yeah. Okay. That is a great thing now. Yeah. Whereas we never had that. We never had any of that. Okay. If you want to learn something, yeah, or see it, yeah, it's like now we're talking, you're in Scotland, I'm in Peterborough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I can teach a Zoom class from here. Yeah. And you are all the way up there. Yeah. Okay. And remember, if we're doing line work, boom, 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 I can correct your stance. Yeah. yeah? I can correct your technique straight away. Okay. Yeah. All through, all through this. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Guys. yeah. Whereas we never had anything like that. Yeah. Like I was saying, yes, I am a, I'm a good martial artist. I've got a good physique. So I know quite a few students look at me and go, oh yeah, I want to get big biceps and stuff like that. Like how I look to say Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember No Retreat, No Surrender coming out and yeah. like, wow. The man never even spoke. Yeah. Nobody remembers the star, but we remember Jean-Claude Van Damme from No Retreat, No Surrender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That white suit. Yeah. Splits yeah. on the ropes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and when I look back now, his, his biceps weren't even that big compared to what I am now. But as a kid, you're like, I want to be like that. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, a kid goes on Facebook, goes on Instagram. Yeah? Now, everybody does it. Even adults do it. I go, I want that physique. I want to be like that. Out of 10 people who do it, look at it. One will actively go and try and do it. Yeah. Okay. And that's a good thing because... We used to give out flyers. We used to put flyers up. We put flyers in the community center. Yeah. Now all you got to do is put posts on Facebook, and 500 people see that. One person, can I come and train at your club? Yeah. It's yeah, easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's another reason why I like to stay active. Yes, I've got people who can instruct clubs, but I keep myself in shape because I am the advert. Yeah. yeah, I want to train with that guy. Like, I looked in that garden that day and I saw Chris Mundo. I want to train with that guy. Yeah, when I turned up at Yin Yang Taekwondo and I looked at Vic Mark, I'm like, I want to train with that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I looked at the black belts in the class, like, I want to be that guy. Yeah? yeah, and so when people come in here, yeah, and they look, I want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. I want to be like Sensei. I want to, I want to train. I want to be able to do what he can do. Yeah, and I do have the conversation quite often. People like, how long do you think it'll take to get where you are, do what you can do, or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, never, it's never going to happen. I go, why? I mean, because I'm always training. I'm always, you're not going to catch me. Yeah. You'll catch me when I'm about 70 and I decide not to do anything anymore. Yeah. Then you might catch me up. Yeah. yeah. And then that gives him that incentive to keep training and keep pushing. Yeah. So that's what we, that's a brilliant thing now. Yeah. Somebody will look at this podcast and go, yeah. I'm going to train. Yeah. Whereas, you know, back in the day, you had to wait for that new film to come out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walk past to be to see combat and pick it up and flick through it and go, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I want to do that. I spoke to, uh, spoke to John Clark, who you know, about yeah. that. He was on the podcast and even though we're talking about, uh, and listen, the, uh, the TV, the internet, all these stuff where we can we can access. 
just when you've mentioned combat there and you mentioned Martial Arts Illustrated earlier on, there's a there's a little bit of romance missing now as well, but because I, I can still remember on a Saturday standing in WH Smith looking through the magazines and for myself I'd be looking for like Grandmaster Cho or, or these Taekwondo heroes that I had. Uh, or do you know Van Damme would have been on the front or got anybody and, and that that's that's gone a little bit as well. But from a from a training point of view and a even just thinking I I, I talk to we we do a lot of squatting in class. Uh, number one exercise. Let's try and get it right. Work on technique all the time. A body weight exercise that everybody can really gain benefit from, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You just go onto YouTube and if you find the proper video, you can get an expert in doing the squat. You can get an expert in press ups. You can look at world champions teaching side kick or. Yeah the blitz or, or whatever it is that, that, that they're doing. It's, it is, it's, it's really wonderful. Uh, right, okay, Rob, such a positive guy. Uh, send us away with a bit of positivity. Send us away with some mental positivity to get, get through till we get rid of this COVID carry on and we're back out the other end. A bit of positivity. Yeah, this is your moment. This is what I've been saying to people since day one of COVID. Health is wealth, okay? Especially now, especially COVID, yeah? There's two things that you're gonna take, for, that you've took for granted, that you realize now. One is your health, and one's your freedom. Because you've been locked down, yeah. and you're scared because you don't want to get COVID, yeah. okay? So, your health is your wealth, okay? If you see them old films, I don't know, like um, The Matrix and stuff like that, yeah? Okay, it's about you've got to be healthy. Yeah, that's your currency now. Okay, and as time moves on, whether it's going to be a vaccine, yeah, restricted movement, yeah, the healthier you are, the better. Yeah, so vitamin C, yeah, fruit, natural vitamin C, vitamin C tablets, whatever. Take your vitamin C, boost your immune system, eat your vegetables, eat your, if you know, you might not eat meat. Get your protein supplements, okay? Because it's all about being healthy now, yeah. okay? We're in a good position as martial arts instructors now to pass that on, yeah? And encourage people to be more healthy and to eat right and sleep right. As we said in the beginning, eat right and sleep right. And yeah. just live better, yeah? Because that is going to be the big thing, your health, yeah. okay? I do it because I'm asthmatic. I don't do it because I'm a fitness freak. I do it because I'm asthmatic. I don't want to die. I keep my body strong because I remember when my back went and I couldn't walk. So everybody goes, oh, you don't drink because you're such an elf freak. No, I don't drink because I don't like the taste. Yeah, yeah I don't smoke because I'm asthmatic. Okay? So I will walk with an inhaler every day. Yeah? But I will push that boat out just to make my lungs stronger. Yeah? My training mask. That's my mask, that's my COVID mask, but it's also my training mask. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Got an ear vent, lock that ear vent, makes it harder to breathe. Yeah. So I will train in that just to make my lungs stronger. And that is my one takeaway from this. Brilliant. Concentrate on just making yourself fitter and stronger, and you'll be more successful because you'll be able to walk around this earth 
with this COVID disease with your mask on. Yep. Which isn't nice. It's not nice. <laughs> okay, Rob. Listen, uh, got a wee time. We're, we're nearly, in fact, we're, we're about 80 minutes or so. It goes, wow. it goes so quickly. Yeah. Um, and I know we've, uh, we had a couple of wee false starts, even today, uh, with the technology letting us down, but we eventually got it done. Uh, yeah. And I'm actually, I'm really pleased we got it done. So I was looking forward to talking to you. And uh, just to thank you again for coming on. I, I do I really, really appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me on, mate. Definitely. No worries. Definitely. All right, man. We met at Vic's wedding. We did, that's, yeah. That's what we met at Vic's yeah. wedding, which was five years ago. Five years. We, was just, we got a couple of... That's one of the good things about Facebook. You get the memories and things. Yeah. Come up so high five years ago. Five yeah. Years. So my wife was pregnant with my five-year-old. Who's five next week. Well, that's five years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Right, my man, let's say uh, we'll finish it there and yeah, love to the family and keep yourself. Nice, nice one, you too, mate. Look right, after yourself. Take care, Rob. Enjoy your freedom. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, my man. All right, cheers. Bye, See you later. Take care. Bye. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.